Welcome to the preaching ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Our desire is that God would be magnified through the preaching of His Word, and that Christians would be challenged, strengthened, and edified in their personal walk with Christ. pastor had asked me to uh, close the service tonight with a, with a challenge from God's Word, and uh, it's been a, a joy, uh, is a joy to have uh, the Petersons with us. Uh, they do have a, a, a tough, tough uh, road ahead of them as far as ministry-wise, uh, but uh, God, is, God is able, and so we're excited, and we've been praying for that. Um, I, you know, he mentioned language. Uh, Polish is a very, very difficult language. Uh, I'm not a great language person anyway, but uh, your dad spent a whole week just trying to teach me how to say hello, and I never got it right. I was sure I had it. I would say it. He said, no, no, no. I'd say it again. I said, no, no. And we, I, I still have no idea. Uh, I just couldn't hear it. And so, um, but, uh, we, you know, it is... It is interesting. Uh, Tim used the verse at the close of his presentation. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers uh, into the harvest. And I, I know that that has been um, your father and mother's prayer uh, there, for Poland especially, uh, because we have had many, many discussions about it. I remember being at missions conference at BJ and your dad joining us there. Part of it was, I think maybe you were there at the time, uh, but uh, he came and, and, and uh, because he was so concerned to try to get workers, laborers uh, for Poland. And I know that that is, uh, I know that you are uh, at least in part an answer uh, to, their, to their prayer for, for that. Uh, and I was thinking as I've known both Tim and, 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 and Claire, and, and both their parents are on the mission field serving in different places. I know the heart of both their parents is, is that of praying for their children, praying for laborers, and, and uh, I thought it was fascinating, interesting that you used that verse in the close of your presentation because it's a verse I wanted us to consider tonight uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 9. Before we get to that verse, I, I want just to... I want you to notice something uh, leading up to this verse where Jesus tells his disciples to pray the Lord of the harvest, uh, to send forth laborers into the harvest. If I, I, was, I was preparing a message on this a while back, and I, I noticed as I was reading, getting the context of what Jesus was doing, in chapter 8 and in chapter 9, there is just a series of people with needs. Chapter 8 begins with Jesus cleansing a leper. Then you have the centurion's servant who is healed. You have Peter's mother-in-law who is healed. You have a demon-possessed man uh, who is healed. You get into chapter 9 and you have a paralytic uh, man uh, who is healed. You have a tax collector who is saved. So he is spiritual need is met. And then there are some religious questions uh, that Jesus has asked, and he, and he addresses those questions. He raises a girl to life. There is the story of the woman with an issue of blood who is healed. There are two blind men who are healed. 
there is a mute and a demon-possessed man who is healed. And then verse 35 is really a summary, uh, at least of of those two chapters, probably of, of, of much more than that, but at least of these two chapters when it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It summarizes the heart of Christ, seeing the needs of the multitudes, that he had compassion upon them. And he addresses his disciples and in turn addresses us by saying, pray the Lord of the harvest. The the harvest is plentiful. It's an abundant. It's amazing. You heard that tonight. And the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. I thought about this command as maybe one of the most blatantly disobeyed commands that Christ gave. Because it's one of the most clear commands that Christ has given. What should we pray for? Uh, and there are many things, we, needs we have to pray for. And there are, there are things, I have a whole message. The Apostle Paul uh, gives 10 things he asks the church to pray for. When I'm in missions conference, I preach that all the time. And uh, there are a lot of things to pray for. But here is one request that Jesus specifically commanded us to pray. That he would pray the Lord of the harvest, pray pray to our Father, pray to the Lord of the harvest, that he would send out laborers into the harvest. The one very thing that he asks us to do in regards to that is probably one of the things that we are least oftentimes likely to do. I've been in many church prayer meetings through my life. I I hear it occasionally, but not that often that the Lord would send out laborers, that he would call from from the church or, or from this country or from the body of believers in this country or wherever, that God would raise up laborers to send them into the harvest. Very seldom do I hear that prayed with a seriousness and a fervor Um, that takes this command seriously. So why? Basically, the question I ask is why? And I I just want to suggest several reasons why I think that that is an issue. Why do we fail to pray for laborers? I think the first is that we do not see the multitudes as Jesus did. You know, it's, it's easy not to see the forest for the trees, or in this case, to see the people for all the things that are going on in life. We get preoccupied with what is right in front of our eyes. We get distracted. We get preoccupied with entertainment, with work, with school, relationships. We lose sight of the reason that we are on this earth. Most people in this country, if you look at statistics today, live paycheck to paycheck. They are focused on just getting by. And if they get a little bit extra money, they just, 
you know, that, that's, a bonus, that's, a, that's a bonus, but they're soon right back to where they were, uh, nose to the grindstone. And the thought as Christians often is that we, because of that, our thoughts seldom are of the needs of this world. Seldom is our thoughts directed towards the needs of this world. We're too busy many times with other things. That's why Jesus in John chapter 4, verses 34 and 35 said, lift up your eyes and look upon the harvest. Lift up your eyes and look upon the harvest. Because the fields were wide unto harvest. But those two verbs there, lift up your eyes and look. The idea is that oftentimes our, our, our eyes are down. We're looking at the road right ahead of us so we don't stumble, so we don't fall. If we're going to see the needs of the world, we have to get our eyes off of just our daily circumstances. Literally, the, the Fraser has the idea of, of almost pulling your head up, lift up your eyes, and then look. The word that has the idea of beholding, gazing, steady gaze consider the needs of the world it's something that as christians we do far too little of that's why when we when we go on a missions trip or we we have a missionary presentation our hearts get challenged because we're not normally thinking that way and we have to get our our attention turned from what it's been on and looked at the needs of the world. That's why mission trips are so powerful, why we encourage them so much. And, and I think they've been so effective here in our ministry in, in seeing people challenged to go to the mission field because it gets your eyes up and gives you a chance to gaze at the world. I think there's a second reason simply, and that is we do not see the majesty and the glory of the God that we serve. You know, it, it was Isaiah's vision of a holy God that God gave him that led him to cry out, here my Lord, send me. When we understand the majesty and the glory of the God we serve, and we understand that he is, he is not being worshipped in this world the way that he should. People don't know him, uh, and, and they're going to stand before him someday. There, there is just an overwhelming burden to say, Lord, what can I do? How can I help? What should I do? We need to have a vision, an understanding of who God is. We need to see him clearly as the scripture presents him and understand that we serve a holy God who is the, the Lord of all the earth. The Lord whom millions upon millions of people will someday give account to. We fail to pray off, often because we do not see the world and therefore we do not have compassion we don't see the multitudes as jesus did we don't see the majesty and the glory of the god we serve but because that we do because we do not see the world we fail to have that real heart of compassion you know when you see the needs of the world it's it's really difficult not to be compassionate what can i do uh, you know, you cannot teach a class of elementary children about the Lord and listen to their questions without feeling compassion. That's why every time we go on a missions trip, 
I mean, everyone comes back. I mean, we, when we go to Kenya especially. Uh, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, Kenya's a fascinating country with, you know, known for its game parks and, and safaris. And, and they always had, you know, really the insistence of our missionaries there and the nationals there, they want us to, to go on one. So they, we, they're proud of their country, I understand that. But you know, we have a great time, but when, when we leave there, no one comes back talking about that. I, I, every year, every time we do it. They don't come back talking about the lions that they saw or, or the whatever else they saw. They come back talking about those little kids that we taught in Bible school or those little kids we did the Bible club for or those people that we saw come to Christ or that church that was planted out in that village. Because when you, when you get your eyes on the field, and when you begin get to get busy in serving God, you have compassion. You can't hold a little orphan in your hand at an orphanage without your heart being moved and, being, and feeling compassion. So it's easy to ignore the needs of the world when your life is focused only on you and, and your little world. That's why Jesus told us to lift up our eyes and look on the fields. So... We don't see the multitudes. We don't see the majesty of God. We don't see the world and therefore don't have compassion. And then I think one of the reasons why we don't pray is we are uncertain of our own unwillingness to go. We are uncertain of our own willingness to go. You know, it's hard to pray for laborers if you have not settled the issue of what part of the harvest field you believe God may want you to be a part of. If I'm not willing to go, it's hard for me to pray and, and say, Lord, send someone else. We, we just naturally understand the hypocrisy of that. Now, it's not that God calls everyone to go. It's not God's will for everyone to, to, uh, to go to a foreign mission field. It's not God's will for everyone to be in, in, in vocational ministry. But we need to settle the issue of, am I where God wants me to be? And am I willing to go? That's what God calls me to do. You know, when I was a young pastor, I found it very hard to preach on missions. I really did, because I think there was a little bit of fear in my heart that maybe if I did, God would call me to the mission field. And I wasn't sure if I was, if I was willing to go. And, and it wasn't until really I, I settled that with the Lord and said, Lord, okay, if you want me to go to the foreign mission field, I'm ready to go, that God gave me complete freedom about preaching on missions and challenging people about missions and praying for missionary for missions and, and for missionaries and sometimes I think honestly the reason we we don't pray for laborers is we think we might be the answer to that prayer uh, that would be scary and uh, you know when, when James was here during missions conference he was laughing about he went on the missions he led the team that year to the Philippines and uh, I'd asked him to lead the team that year. Uh, I kind of had that in mind that the Lord might use that to call him to the mission field. And uh, he told the story of, of, he, of how he told the, the people that were on the team, you know, God is going to call, probably going to call some of you, some of us here, to full-time missions. And then he said about halfway through the time he was there, he realized, I think God's calling me to, to be a full-time missionary. And I, I, I still remember in, in the Hong Kong airport, because I, I was actually in China at the time. I wasn't with the team in the Philippines. James was coming from the Philippines back to Hong Kong. We met at the Hong Kong airport. And I remember 
James telling me, I think God's calling me to come here back to Hong Kong. So we have to be willing to go. And sometimes we are afraid to pray that, lest God calls us. But I think if another reason, and I'll, I'll, I'll end on this one tonight, is that I don't think we're convinced of the importance of prayer for laborers. And I don't think we, we, we understand the importance of this command, the seriousness of this command. Pray the Lord of the harvest. It's a command. You say, well, why, why does God need us to do it? If he wants laborers, can't he call them himself? Yes, but God has ordained us to pray. It is one of the means that God has chosen to call men and women to take the gospel around the world. We need to be faithful in praying. I remember as a young pastor, I've told this story in a couple of situations, so you may have heard this story, but I, I, I remember I was a young pastor, I was pastoring in California, and if, you're, if you know what ministry is like in California, I mean, it was a small church, and we were, God was blessing. We were seeing people saved, but almost everybody that was coming to the church was a first-generation Christian, which is, in many ways, a wonderful, wonderful thing. But there's a point where you'd like to have someone teach Sunday school. You'd like to have someone in a position of leadership, and eventually you want to train them for that. But at that point, you're having these new people come, and you don't have a lot of mature leadership. And so, we would pray for, for God to send someone to, to bring some, some people into the church. But, uh, you know, that, that probably was more half-heartedly done. And uh, I was in seminary at the time at the San Francisco Baptist Seminary. And I went, uh, one of the, one of the get- gatherings we had there, I can't remember what it was. And I was talking with Dr. Ennis, Pastor Ennis, who at that time was the, dean, was the president of the seminary. And I was just impressed with the church there at that time in San Francisco with the number of people they had on staff, and it wasn't a large church. And there were a lot of people, I don't know if they would have called them on staff, but they don't know if they were paying their salaries, but they had all kinds of people doing various ministries who had come to the city to to do that ministry. And I just remember going up to Dr. Ennis as a young preacher and saying, Dr. Ennis, how are you getting all these people to come to your church to help in these ministries? I mean, I, I knew the church wasn't large enough to be paying all their salaries. How are you doing that? I still remember the very kind rebuke that he gave me that day. And he looked at me and says, Larry, didn't Jesus say, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest? And that's all he said. And I was like, okay, I get it. Pray the Lord of the harvest. But we're not convinced of the importance of this prayer or or the fact that the seriousness of that command. But God tells us to pray for laborers. I hope if nothing else from tonight, I hope you're challenged by the Petersons, their ministry as they go forward and and really carry on much of the ministry down the road of of his parents. But I hope that you 
leave with this realization that we need to be praying for laborers, not just on the foreign field. We need laborers here at Tri-City Baptist Church. You know, we always have positions that need to be filled and always needs here. This needs to be done. That needs to be done. Many times people think in a larger church, well, there's just nothing to be done. Everybody, no, that just means there's more needs. We need to be praying for laborers. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth, thrust out laborers into the harvest field. Let's commit to that. Let's, let's understand the serious of, seriousness of that command. And let's, as a church, be committed to praying to the Lord of the harvest and trusting him to send out those laborers into the harvest field. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I thank you.